The headline is Opinion. We're infectious disease experts. It's time to lift the COVID-19 lockdowns. So this was written by four doctors. Dr. Martha Fulford is an associate professor at McMaster University and an infectious disease physician at Hamilton Health Sciences. And she's one of the authors. Uh, She's joining the show. Welcome to the show, Dr. Fulford. Good to have you on. Thank you very much. Okay, so why did you feel it's important to publicly express your opinion on lifting the lockdown at this current point in time? Well, I think we thought it was uh, time to take a a pause. We're two months into this. Nobody, not a single one of us, had any uh, reservations about a lockdown at the beginning. The it was incredibly important to make sure that we preserved our healthcare system, that we didn't get inundated and have some of those chaotic scenes we've seen from other countries. I think people in Ontario and in Canada can be very proud that we actually did a phenomenally good job of flattening that curve. But now that we're two months in, uh, we have a lot more knowledge on, on the virus. We have a lot more knowledge on who's susceptible. And I think uh, with the curve well flattened now, that we could perhaps have a more nuanced approach to going forward. We know who's uh, not at risk, and that's the young. Uh, If you look at the data from Canada and all of Canada, there are only 35 hospitalizations in people under the age of 19. That's not very many. Um, We know that the people who are really vulnerable are the people in the long-term care facilities where uh, 80% of the deaths have occurred. So if we know that, we thought it was time to take a a moment to say, okay, if we now uh, allow normal life to resume and target uh, or focus our attention on on the vulnerable, that will allow at least uh, uh, most of us to to resume a normal life. But also two months in, and I think this is probably what made me speak out the most, I'm, I'm, along with a lot of my colleagues, actually increasingly concerned about the non-COVID morbidity and mortality we're going to start to see. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are seeing people come in very late from heart attacks where we might have intervened before, but now they've got permanent damage. We're seeing delayed surgeries. We're seeing delayed cancer diagnoses. We're seeing, you know, delay, you know, something maybe minor, but delayed eye and ear checks in children, which can be incredibly important to future development. And so we need to balance, I think, now the degree of harm that's going to happen from COVID with the degree of harm in our, in our healthcare system from from further delay of what would be our normal care. And with the knowledge that we know we have now and with the fact that we have so successfully flattened the curve, it seems reasonable to, to start to think about maybe uh, looking at a much more regional approach. Uh, say there are 400 cases in all of Ontario. Ontario is huge. If all of those 400 cases have occurred in one area of, say, Toronto or one area of Hamilton, then is there any reason why Kingston or Ottawa or Sudbury or anywhere else can't, in fact, resume normal care? And so I guess, at least for me, I'm advocating a much more strategic and targeted approach to the monitoring and testing. Yeah, uh, and I was I mentioning... particularly focus on, on the high risk. Right. I was mentioning I was in Port Elgin over the weekend, went for a quick drive just to see how people were reacting. I think they've only had four cases and no deaths there. And there was like maybe two people wearing masks this weekend. So you're saying that basically you keep an eye on on the hospitalization in that region. And that's where you decide when and who gets locked down and for how long. How do we measure the success of the lockdown itself? 
really very hard, of course, because um, what do you compare yourself to? Do you compare yourself to a country where the lockdown was very late and they had a mass of people show up in hospitals? Or were we lucky that we got it early? I actually think Canada did a very good job at the very beginning. We, we compared to a lot of places, have not had that tsunami of cases. Our hospitals were not overwhelmed. So I, I think if we go by that, we were successful. And, and now we need to, to say, excellent, we cannot not be vigilant, but I think we can start to loosen the reins. Okay, so what would resuming normal life look like in this, this time of COVID? All right, so this is a personal opinion. So Yeah, <laughs> of course, and but, but that's fine. Think, for example, children should be allowed to go out and play. Uh, it is eminently clear, both from the data in Canada and, and, and worldwide, children are not who are getting severe disease. And the, the damage to a child's development, their education, their socialization from a lockdown, to me, far outweighs the, the risk that they would have. Uh, so I would have actually probably, well, I mean, maybe it was too late to reopen schools, but I think it's a very reasonable um, proposition to allow children to go and pay, to reopen playgrounds, to reopen uh, areas that children can can begin to have sort of a lot more um, stimulation and begin to resume a normal life. Uh, with concurrent with that, very careful monitoring what's happening in long-term care facilities where, where the devastation has been very real. I Outdoor spaces are probably quite safe, perhaps not, as you alluded to, you know, the equivalent of you know, sort of a huge mass gathering. Nobody's advocating that. But if we had a much, uh, a lot of our open spaces um, were accessible to people, we would not have that same crowding in the certain areas that have been reopened. Uh, but that, that in general should be a very safe thing to do. And I think people do need to, to be careful. I mean, look around, make sure you're not crowding somebody, but let people begin to go on bike trails, to go in parks, to go to their cottages. Those are not high-risk areas. Those are not high-risk activities. What's the, what's the problem with contact tracing right now? Because uh, I know that you, you brought this up in the, in the article, and, and, and the province is saying that they want uh, contact tracing and they want uh, mass testing. What is the problem with what the, the province is proposing for contract contact tracing, and what are you recommending instead? I mean, I'm, I, I think testing is, is a very, very, very important part of understanding what is happening. One of the challenges with contact tracing is that this particular virus uh, does have a lot, we don't know quite how many, of asymptomatic or uh, shedding or very mildly symptomatic, which means that there are a very lo- large number of people who who have no symptoms, who have no idea that this virus, that they might be shedding the virus. So it's very difficult in that case to sort of to try to go back and figure out where or how somebody got it. But if mm-hmm. you're trying to backtrack, you know, even if it's six or seven days, I mean, we tend to go back 14 days, but the average incubation period is in the five to seven day range. Um, and, and I guess, does it matter if it's the asymptomatic um, so say you do have an increase of 1,000 cases, if it's all in the young and healthy and, and low-risk population and there has been no impact on, on the hospitals, we haven't seen an increase in hospital admissions, we have no further outbreaks in long-term care facilities, I think it's important to, to keep track of the numbers but also interpret them um, and, and make a decision as to where you need to target your resources. 
Um, and we were arguing uh, in our article that one could actually uh, focus um, I mean, it's it's a very radical approach, I guess, from from the traditional. But maybe not worry about low risk people. Uh, continue mm. to, to to ask that social distancing be practiced, but particularly when it comes to protecting high risk people. So people who are symptomatic should should uh, you know be cognizant of the fact they shouldn't be spreading the virus, and where right. the main contact tra- tracing might be would be um, in, in, in hospitals, long-term care facilities, where, where we have seen that there are problems. Um, it, it's a different approach, and I think it certainly warrants being discussed. Uh, yeah. It's not going away anytime soon, and we need to learn how to coexist with this virus. Uh, I think there will be ongoing waves. Hopefully, there will be small, controllable waves, because, as I say, I think as a population, we've done an excellent job adhering to, to the requests of our governments and, and allowing us to flatten the curve. Obviously, when we see 10,000 people turning out to Trinity Bellwoods, and they were largely, it was, a, it was a very obvious demographic. They were largely in their 20s this weekend. Um, that is not a high-risk group uh, as no, far as COVID-19 is concerned? Well, that particular group isn't, but then you have to hesitate and say to them, yes, but make sure you don't then transmit it to a high-risk person. And that's where people have to sort of take a pause and, and a self-check if you're going home to a parent or grandparent who's high risk, that's a very bad idea. If you are going off there and then uh, are working uh, in an environment where there are high risk people, then that's not a prudent thing to be doing. Right. But when you think about, you know, it, 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 it is nonsensical for some of us to look at what happened over the weekend when we are still limited to yeah. gatherings of five. And that is any any amount over that. It should be in your own household. So based on what we saw over the weekend, there are some people that would not be considering anything other than themselves. And they are starved to get out. They're starved to socialize. So is it are we kind of having this restriction of five or more? Are we putting the greater health of the population at risk by not allowing the, the double bubble to expand or, or just a little bit by not extending that uh, restriction to a little bit larger of a group so that, you know, because they were sitting in groups of 10 largely, but all on mass together, that is very close together. If we inc- should we be looking at increasing the number of people that can socialize to a reasonable number so that these people that are starved for attention don't end up putting uh, the vulnerable in harm's way? I think it's a very reasonable question to ask. And, and certainly in areas where we have very low transmission, I, I think, yes, that we should be, in fact, allowing people to get out and about. Um, and I don't know the, where the 400, the postal codes of the 400 that, were, were, um, that, that we had in Ontario, if they were all in nursing homes with not too much community transmission. But mm-hmm. I think probably really large mass gatherings could be put on hold. And yes, I think we could go back, you know, we would ask people to at least try to stick to their to their social circle, not go into huge areas like that. That does not seem like a prudent thing to do. Uh, and also that would be very difficult for contact tracing where if you ended up in an outbreak of long-term care facility. But in general, uh, I, I, I think it's a very reasonable time to say that we can start to let people resume a normal life if they are low risk and not going into high-risk settings. Dr. Fulford, I'm so happy that you came on the show because when I first read the headline, we're infectious disease experts, it's time to lift the COVID-19 lockdowns, I thought, what is this? And as I read your article, it it made a lot of sense. And I think you bring up a lot of uh, really interesting 
uh, topics that need to be discussed as we move on. And I think where you hit the nail right on the head is when you said we have to find a way to coexist with COVID-19 because we don't know if or when a vaccine is coming. So we're going to have to somehow find a way to coexist. Yeah. Could I just say we didn't actually choose that headline? <laughs> Ours okay. was <really> boring. <laughs> what was your headline? It was a much more, you know, it's time to consider, uh, you know, approach, uh, a regional approach to um, to lifting restrictions. <laughs> it was well, that wouldn't, that wouldn't nearly cause the outrage that would make people click on that article. No, no, I uh, realize listen- that. I mean, I'm not, I don't, I'm not sure it was wrong what happened, but, but yeah. our, our, our title was a very um, benign title. Sure. I appreciate your time, Dr. Fulford. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay. Cheers. Dr. Martha Fulford is an associate professor at McMaster University and an infectious disease physician at Hamilton Health Services. And a pleasure to have her on the program because I think there are more than a few people that have had it with the lockdown and want to see another approach. And maybe you're one of those uh, people that want to see another approach. So it's worth discussing.